Can you hear it mid your ears? Can you see it mid your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing mid James. Once every millennium, something will come along. When you feel it, you will know it because it's coming on strong. That thing, that thing, that thing mid James. Sit back, relax. What? I, I haven't really tried the German voice. I don't know that I've ever really tried to do a German voice. What if I did? What if I tried to do like a Dublin? Have you met my friend Patty? Patio. Have you met my friend Patty? Patio furniture. Can you hear it with your ears? Can you? Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you hear it with your ears? Can you see it with your eyes? Can you feel it wiggling between your quivering thighs? That thing, that thing, that thing with James. Once every millennium, something will come along. When you feel it, you will know it because it's coming on strong. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. Sit back, relax, deep breaths, no stress. Let me come inside your mind. I promise you it won't be long. The change will happen soon. You will feel something so special growing deep within you. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. That thing, that thing, that thing with James. That's, that's me. That, that's me. A thousand thanks. Can you hear it with your ears? How it's like different, different, uh, different. Uh, how thick? How thick does it get? Because I know in Ireland, like the further north you go, the more lilt it is. My sister used to have a neighbor from Dublin or from Belfast. <laughs> Big difference there. <laughs> she was from Belfast. And they kind of, uh, it's a much more lilty kind of voice, and they go up at the end. Similar to Australia. Can you hear it with your ears? I don't know. I, don't know. I think that maybe I can, maybe if I were to just speak regularly, I could do it in a Northern Irish accent a bit. I wonder. I wonder if anyone from Ireland ever listens to this, do they, uh, could you possibly give me some feedback on how the accent is? It's not like I've really done a lot of work on it. It's just that something I, I, I tend to do for fun every now and then. And every, every now and then, if I go to uh, a drive-thru, a drive-thru, I'll maybe affect a certain accent and sometimes they can tell that I'm making an accent, and sometimes they can't. The lilt is harder than the brog. And then some people think, uh, it's shifting gears, some people really cock it up by mixing an Irish accent with a Scottish accent. And that's a big fucking difference. Scottish is hard. Here's, here's my impression of a Scottish accent. <laughs> oh man 
I guess, of all the Irish accents. And then, you know, some people think the brogue. See, that's more Scottish. It's really in the throat, and it's a real brogue. It's a deeper uh, kind of brogue. And I think it's like the further west you go in Ireland, the more broguish it is, more in the farmland area. But in Dublin, it's, uh, I know, it's like kind of hard R's. R, 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 R. That's kind of a, a Dublin accent is a little bit more R round. R, 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 kind of jowly a bit. Jowly. I'm from Dublin. I'm from Dublin, Ireland. And see, that's starting to get Scottish. No. And then the British accent's really easy. Yes! <laughs> oh, I do say so. And then there's like the sleepy British accent. Welcome today. Welcome back to that thing with James J. And in this episode today, we'll be talking about a man who injected psilocybin mushrooms into his bloodstream. And then it had a very adverse effect on his life. And as we see the, the ramifications of such things uh, when a man is not well and he injects uh, illicit substances into his, uh, his bloodstream. Stream. Yes, I say. I say. And then you've got the. the uh, <laughs> I know it's. I know it's a bad thing to say. The fop. The fop. The poof. I know that's like saying the F A G word here. And it's like, I think. I think it's a bad word to say. But in America, since it's foreign. <laughs> It's not as, you know, it's not as uh, commonly used, so people don't catch on to the fact that it's a bad thing to say as quickly. Yes! <laughs> oh, I do declare! Have you read Catch-22? Here, I, I want to test out these accents. I'm having fun with this. <clears throat> Let's see here. Catch-22, a novel by Joseph Heller, with a new preface by the author. I like saying preface instead of preface. Preface with a new preface from the author. Sergeant, what did you say? I said that Major Major never sees anyone in his office while he's in his office. Appleby stared at the Sergeant Towser intently and attempted a firm, a firm tone. Sergeant, are you not trying to make a fool out of me because just because I'm new in the squadron? Oh, and you've been overseas for so long. <laughs> Is it about time for a touch of spotted dick? <laughs> Tea time. <laughs> All right, let's try these different accents. Okay. 
Uh, let's do a Dublin. Dublin. Du Dublin. Sergeant. Uh, oh no. What, what am I trying to do here? No, I'm trying to go... Because in England, yes, there are different regional accents, but it's also like um, socioeconomic class really defines um, the accent m more than it does in the U.S. Because in the U.S., the, the whole premise, the whole lie is that we've eliminated, eliminated class. Uh, whereas in England, they're like, oh, no, this, there's class. There's still class. There's still class. So, oh, let's try. See, hey, in the last episode, I tried to affect a more sort of a, is it Manchester? Or maybe it's a bit further north. I tried to, I tried to affect a sort of Alan Moore kind of accent. So... so so, let, let, let's try it out. I'm staggering through that. So, oh, let, let's see if I can pull it off right here. Sergeant, what did you say? I said that Major Major never sees anyone in his office while he's in his office. Appleby stared at the sergeant tower, stared at the, not the. Appleby stared at Sergeant Towser intently and attempted a firm tone. Sergeant, are you trying to make a fool out of me just because I'm new in the squadron and you've been overseas in a, and, and you've been overseas a long time? Oh no, sir, answered the sergeant deferentially those are my orders you can ask you can ask major major when you see him that's just not that that's just what i intend to do sergeant when can i see him never okay all right now let me try out the dublin have you met my friend patty patio furniture that's a little that's a little trick I learned in college from one of my professors. I've had a few professors, one who is a, a lot more uh, proficient, who, who did a lot more study. Uh, he was a uh, voice movement, uh, more so a voice and dialect coach. Uh, he actually worked with um, like n like newscasters and that sort of thing in uh, really helping people um, learn how to speak. And movement comes along with that a lot. You, if you study any kind of like theater or that sort of thing, you'll have voice and movement classes. Like there are plenty of voice and movement classes in which you really learn how to master your instrument and that your instrument is your body. And your body is composed of many different instruments, but you learn how to use those instruments. And it gets a lot into sort of linguistics in uh, learning how to speak in different dialects. Uh, and it's a really cool study. I love, I fucking loved studying theater. I really fucking loved studying theater. Theater. So 
one of the things I learned to sort of get, <laughs> it's very reduced, uh, but to get into a sort of an Irish accent, there's the phrase, have you met my friend Patty, Patio Furniture? And see, it's a joke because it's like Patio Furniture, Patty O Furniture, like Patrick O Furniture, Patrick of Furniture. No, this is Patio Furniture, but it's a double entendre. So, have you met my friend Patty, Patio Furniture? And I've noticed that the T's are rather there. A thousand thanks to you. And it, it's different with people with age, of course. And I'm sure class, I'm sure that plays a part in Ireland too. Although, although I would surmise that uh, it's probably more, uh, I don't know, pronounced the class distinction, possibly more pronounced in England, because that was, well, frankly, uh, the seat of the empire. And, uh, you know, you know how that goes. So, have you met my friend Patty, Patio Furniture? T, 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 a thousand thanks to you at tea time. <clears throat> oh, did I have something highlighted here? What is this? What is, what is this? Okay, let's try this out, shall we? This is on page, uh, I don't know what I'm doing with my accent. Even those, in other words, even those, see, that could be Irish too, though. No, maybe some T's are a bit pronounced, but not all T's, like those. Tos, those. So let's try it out. I'm sort of emulating uh, that actor, Mooney, Moon or something. My grandmother on my uh, Irish, well, American, but 100% Irish grandmother, American, Irish grandmother, uh, maternal grandmother. Her last name was Mooney. Mary Mooney, very Catholic woman. She hated the Jews, so I've heard. And then when my mother would cop off and say, well, mom, you know, Jesus was a Jew, right? He was the king of the Jews. She would, Mary Mooney would say, don't say such things, that's blasphemous. <laughs> She's originally from Massachusetts or uh, the Massachusetts, Connecticut area. I like to say Connecticut instead of Connecticut. All right, page 22. Still reading Catch 22 by Joseph Heller. How about that? Catch 22, page 22, line probably not 22, but let's read it. Even those in other words, Yossarian asked, even those in other words. Be careful in those other wards, Father, Yusarian warned. That's where they keep the mental cases. They're filled with lunatics. Isn't, it isn't necessary to call me Father. Oh, what if I tried to do an Irish accent, but with different voices? Even in those other wards, Yosarian asked. Even in those other wards. Be careful in those other wards, Father, Yosarian warned. That's where they keep the mental cases. They're filled with lunatics. It isn't necessary to call me father, the chaplain explained. I'm an Anabaptist. I'm dead serious about those other wards, Yossarian continued grimly. MPs won't protect you because they're the craziest of all. 
I'd go with you myself, but I'm scared stiff. Insanity is contagious. This is the only sane word in the hospital. Everybody else is crazy but us. This is probably the only sane word in the whole world, for that matter. Oh, I liked that. I liked that. I fucking love this book so much. And also, when he said uh, insanity is contagious, that's a thought that popped into my mind not long before I read that book. I was working on the book of my own, and I was writing about something similar, about insanity being contagious. Uh, it can draw you in. If you really talk to a schizophrenic person, like, you're not judging them, you're not thinking them crazy, you're not thinking them uh, mentally divergent, just talk to them. They're a person like any other person. You should offer respect to them as you would hope to get respect, or as you would assume others would want to have respect. Just talk to a person, because they're just people. But if you really talk, you might get drawn a little uh, drawn in a bit. Or maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just my own mental type. I'm a very open person. And uh, some ideas. I, I, can, I can see the truth in things that might seem a bit crazy. Because the secret, the secret is everything's crazy. Everyone's crazy. The whole world is absurd. That's the key. And that's why I say fiction tells more truth than nonfiction. It's like comedy. That's one of the reasons I love comedy. It's like my favorite comedy. For example, um, sorry, I've paused. I downstairs neighbor I, I asked him to turn the music down it's, i hope the mic's not picking up music if it is well nothing i can do about it I, I did what i could short of you know ripping out wires um but yeah uh for example of the type of comedy i really love monty python's flying circus a complete timeless masterclass on comedy and the thing is, it's so absurd. It is absolutely absurd. And absurd theater, ooh, excuse me, absurd theater really came about, ooh, came about after uh, World War II um, and with the rise of uh, potential nuclear Armageddon. And out of that political climate came absurd theater of the absurd. Now, there, of course, have been other plays before that really touch on absurd, but like conscious, intentional theater of the absurd came out of the first fucking nuclear explosion used, not tested, but like used for application of war, terror, and empiricism, or empire, whichever use of the word is correct. And so that would be 40s. And one of the most famous 
writers of absurd theater was an Irishman. This Irishman wrote a little play you may have heard of called Waiting for Godot. I'm looking up his name because I always forget this guy's name, but he's so good. Waiting for Godot, Samuel Beckett. He's an Irishman. Um, Waiting for Godot, one of the most famous pieces of theater of all time. Um, now, there's no definite... And, and Beckett himself never really settled, probably in his own mind, on the way to pronounce Godot. Waiting for G-O-D-O-T. Some say Godo, some say Goro. Uh, <laughs> you can pronounce it in many different ways. Waiting for Goro. I don't know. And uh, it's like the quintessential go-to for theater of the absurd. absurd. Yeah, Beckett, he, Irishman. I, I believe he was living in France. He he wrote it in French originally. Um, and by the way, that's not what this episode this is about. I'm just having fun right now. Um, the episode is about a dude who shot up mushroom tea. We'll get to that once I'm done with this, uh, track I've found myself on here. Uh, theater of the absurd. A another big one is Edward Albee. I love fucking love Edward Albee. And then he's got another play that's actually not absurdist, but, um, it's one of his more well-known ones. That is Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And talk about some fucking dark story right there. That story is dork. Well, um, Theater of the Absurd started around 40s, 50s. And then uh, it was still going on through the 60s. And I believe that Monty Python... I've never read this. This is just my own observations um, that um, Monty Python's Flying Circus was heavily influenced by theater of the absurd. It's satire and uh, absurd. It's a, a, absurd satire, really, or, or just flat out absurdity. And I fucking love it. And one of the reasons I love it and hold it up as a key example of really good comedy, or at least the kind of comedy I really like, is um, the absurd. Because it takes reality, it takes daily life, things we take for granted, it looks at those and, of course, heightens it. Comedy heightens things and makes it a little crazy, a little wackadoo. And that's what's funny because, well, it subverts your expectations and it also takes something that you're familiar with, turns it on its head, and then pokes fun at it. Well, the thing is, it heightens really good comedy, or the comedy I really like that um, Monty Python did perfectly was basically take um, things we take for granted, take reality, and uh, sort of what I'm trying to say is life is insane, arbitrary, absurd, at least the, uh, especially the human made things in life, the stuff humans create, um, 
our systems, political, economic systems, relationships, hierarchy, everything. It is arbitrary and also exploitative and oppressive and repressive and suppressive and sometimes impressive. However, a lot, a lot of human stuff is arbitrary and in fucking sane, flat out, without reason, without logic. And we may even regard these things as being logical and reasonable things. Maybe that's the um, overarching story. That's the company line. That's the uh, country propaganda. These things that um, you are told and taught are sane and logical and right and sound of mind actually are arbitrary, cruel, and in fucking sane. So what if you were to take a step back and uh, look at these things that might be in, you know, popular company line culture be regarded as traditional, standard, normal? What if you take a step back and look at those through a truly sane lens and you'll see that the things that we regard as normal are actually very fucking abnormal. And that is what um, my favorite type of comedy does. It, uh, it looks for things that um, we take for granted in our everyday lives and says, wait a second, let's look at this critically. Let's look at this through a critical lens. And, uh, and in so doing, you'll see that, wait, this is fucking absurd. So how can we communicate this through comedy? Well, let's take the absurdity that's already there and crank it up a notch. And then, uh, and then it's really fucking funny. Well, of course you got to pull it off, which is, um, you have to be really good at what you do and understand it, uh, for uh, anything really, but for, for comedy, especially, uh, and that's kind of what the theater of the absurd did. Just say, let's take a step back. Let's look at this critically. Let's call into question things that we normally don't. Let's question the question. And, uh, and then you'll start to see contradictions, inconsistencies, absurdities. And you just highlight those things and bada bing, bada boom. And that's also, I feel, uh, another reason why I say fiction tells more truth than nonfiction. Um, because it just sort of heightens things, heightens quote unquote reality, and uh, delivers it through a, a vehicle or makes it palatable in such a way that the listener, viewer, reader, audience member um, consumes it. They're more willing to consume it because they're willing to, the old theater line, suspend, uh, willing suspension of disbelief. And, um, and once you've done that, you've opened yourself up a bit more to potentially new perspectives. And perhaps through this quote-unquote fiction, 
through this quote-unquote fantasy, through this quote-unquote comedy. Um, perhaps since you go in thinking, oh, I'm going to be consuming comedy, this is going to be silly, but it's not real. It, it subverts and delivers a message that says, oh, no, this is fucking real. And maybe, just maybe, you will walk away, dear audience member, with a new perspective, seeing what perhaps the uh, creators of this work of art saw and intended to communicate through their work. And perhaps also you laughed. That's, that's the key thing for comedy, of course. Well, I, I take you on that tangent to coming back. Watch how I do this. So if you're willing to suspend your disbelief when you talk to someone who is quote-unquote insane or crazy or neurodivergent, if you talk to them and you're willing to suspend your disbelief, if you're willing to open yourself up more, you may be willing to uh, experience or see some perspectives that perhaps you had not thought of before that are actually not that crazy or uh, perhaps things you maybe didn't really want to see but now see and can't unsee for better for worse for neutral whatever who's to say what's normal and what's crazy you know what i'm saying just as long as you're not putting into harm and exploiting and hurting and taking advantage and abusing others even if that other is the environment itself. Let me take a drink of this nice green tea. Be right back. I'm back. You're a better lover than you ever were a mother. <laughs> Am I a better lover or a better son? I've been rewatching uh, Arrested Development. That's a silly show. Okay, so on to the actual topic I wanted to cover on this episode. Uh, this has been in the news, came out four days ago. I first saw it on Twitter.com, unfortunately. And um, this is just sad, but also, what the fuck? Uh, has this ever happened before? So let's jump into it. This is on LiveScience.com, written by Nicoletta Lanes, staff writer, four days ago. It's currently Sunday, January 17th, 2021, 441 p.m. Central Time, North America, United States. Title Magic Mushrooms grown in man or magic mushrooms grow in man's blood after injection with shroom tea oh boy let's jump into this all right a man brewed a tea from quote unquote magic mushrooms and injected the concoction into his veins Several days later, he ended up at the emergency department with the fungus growing in his blood. The man spent 22 days in the hospital, with eight of those days in the intensive care unit, ICU. I see you. I see you. Where he received treatment for multi-system organ failure. Good God. Now released, 
he is still being treated with a long-term regimen of antibiotic and antifungal drugs, according to a description of the case published January 11th, 2020, in the Journal of Academy of, Con of Consultation Liaison Psychiatry. The case did not reveal whether injecting shroom tea can cause persistent psychoactive effects, as sometimes seen when people ingest the fungus orally, uh, the doctors wrote in the report. For example, in rare cases, people can develop a condition called hallucinogen-induced persisting perception disorder, HPPD, not to be confused with HTTP, colon, slash, slash, or HTTPS for super hyper text, text, uh, P, um, where they experienced vivid, where they experienced vivid flashbacks of their trip long after the trip, according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Now, I've heard that's called, um, uh, uh acid flashback. I've never had an acid flashback. Uh, so the case, quote, underscores the need for ongoing public education regarding the dangers attendant to the use of this and other drugs in ways other than they are prescribed, end quote, the doctors wrote. So, by injecting shrooms into his bloodstream, the 30-year-old patient had hoped to relieve symptoms of bipolar disorder and opioid dependence, according to the report. His family members noted that he had recently stopped adhering to his prescribed bipolar medication and was, quote, cycling between depressive and manic states, end quote. The man found online reports that described the potential therapeutic effects of hallucinogens, such as LSD and psilocybin mushrooms, which prompted him to boil down shrooms into a mushroom tea. He filtered the tea by drawing it through a cotton swab, like you do with like heroin or any kind of uh, intravenous drug use, I think. So I've seen in movies. Uh, before injecting into his body. In the following days, he became lethargic, nauseated, and his skin began to yellow. He soon developed diarrhea and began vomiting blood. Okay, so in the last episode, I mentioned how in early testing of hallucinogens, like early MK Ultra, there was... Um, application of LSD. That's what uh, the guy who created or discovered LSD-25, whatever his name is, was. Uh, he, he injected it, um, you know, syringe into the vein. And uh, <clears throat> the same was done with uh, psilocybin. You can make a psilocybin serum uh, that could be used intravenously, applied intravenously. And that is how uh, uh, Richard, Rupert, Alpert, whatever, uh, Ram Dass, uh, that's how he first experienced hallucinogens, uh, was through um, intravenous, I, I believe, intravenous psilocybin serum. Uh, 
Now, if I had to guess, uh, this guy, this 30-year-old patient, he probably thought that's what he was doing. Um, sort of uh, doing a reduction of the mushroom, not reducing the effects, but probably he probably thought he was making some kind of serum that he could inject. And if he had um, opioid addiction, that's very difficult. And I would assume if he's trying to do mushrooms IV, he probably took opioids IV, maybe Oxycontin, morphine, heroin, whatever. Um, and so there have been studies I don't have them readily available, but I've read about them over the years, and I've talked about them on the show, studies of uh, the therapeutic application of hallucinogens, um, LSD, psilocybin, mescaline, that sort of thing, uh, for treating people, for treating alcoholics, like very rapidly um, uh, getting them back on the wagon. Is that what it means when you're not drinking? Uh, and it helps with uh, depression and anxiety and that sort of thing. However, uh, in research applications, these things are applied in a clinical fashion. I mean, you've got uh, professional clinicians who know how to make serums, know how to apply drugs to a patient, and know how to monitor uh, to make sure nothing untoward, nothing fucky happens. Um, and also uh, a therapist there to help talk with the person during their experience. Or just uh, in layman's terms, I've been this several times, a babysitter, you know, a trip sitter. That's what it is, a trip sitter, a professional trip sitter um, who has studied and passed psychology uh, programs. Well, if I had to guess this guy, probably, I mean, he's bipolar, which that sucks big time. And, uh, he'd received, you know, traditional treatment for it. He was on some kind of drugs, who knows, lithium, who, who knows what. <clears throat> and, uh, as part of the disease is not wanting to do, uh, take your medicine. That's part of the thing. And especially uh, with bipolar people, the, uh, the mania, it's a sort of high and you can get addicted to it. I know, um, not firsthand, I haven't experienced, but perhaps secondhand. I've got family members uh, who have bipolar disorder and um, you know, I've talked to them and for some people, uh, the mania, can be a very addictive high. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got a frog in my throat or something. Well, and it can be hard to get people who need medicine to take their medicine and to stay on the medicine. And if they're on the medicine, maybe they'll start, things are good for a while and they'll think, maybe I don't need this anymore. Maybe I'm, I'm better now. And, uh, and, and that can become a pretty vicious cycle of just um, having a really fucking rough time to, to reduce it. 
well, speaking of reduction, like I said, I assume this guy probably thought he was making some kind of serum to make just a really clean psilocybin, uh, boiling the mushrooms in the tea. Who knows if he even boiled the water? Does fully boiling the mushroom kill the psilocybin? I don't know. Um, but I know you can just put the shrooms, you know, you can cut them up or, you know, put them in warm water and just let them stew for a while and, uh, like an hour or so. And, uh, and you'll got, you got yourself some tea, some mushroom tea that'll make you trip. Um, and it, and it's a different experience. There's some, from what I've heard, wink, a uh, different experience than just straight up ingesting the mushroom orally, just eating it or, or having it through candy or whatever. So man, that fucking sucks. This dude injected it. Let's keep reading. All right. Let's, let's keep reading here. Uh, going back, the man found online reports that described the potential therapeutic effects of hallucinogens, such as LSD and psilocybin mushrooms, which prompted him to boil down the mushrooms into a mushroom tea. He filtered the tea by drawing it through a cotton swab before injecting it into his body. In the following days, he became lethargic, nauseated, and his skin began to yellow. He soon developed diarrhea and began vomiting blood. Fuck. His family found him and took him to the emergency room, noting concern that he also seemed very confused. The doctors noted that he could not participate in meaningful in a meaningful interview due to his altered mental state. Multiple organs, including the liver and kidneys, began to fail, and the man was transferred to the ICU. His blood tested positive for a bacterial infection with the microbe Brevibacillus and a fungal infection from the psilocybic cubensis, meaning the magic mushroom he injected was now growing in his blood. Forget fungus among us. Fungus in mungus. Wow. The mushroom became him. He became the shroom. This is like a whole new fucking Kafka-esque thing. You don't turn into a bug. You turn into the fucking shroom, man. In addition to antibiotics and antifungal drugs, the man needed to be placed on a ventilator after he experienced acute respiratory failure where fluids built up where fluid builds up in the air sacs of the lungs. Thankfully, the patient survived this ordeal and was later discharged from the hospital. Research suggests that psilocybin may be a promising treatment for depression, anxiety, and substance abuse, the authors noted, but only if taken safely. Like I said, you should listen to me. I'm a good person to listen to. I will, uh, you can trust me, captain of the ship, I will lead you through the rockiest of waters and keep you feeling safe and sound. We may take a wild route, but we'll get to our destination. 
the final destination. Pictures in my head of the final destination. Did you happen to catch or did it happen so fast? Or what you thought would always last has passed you by? Is everything speeding up or am I slowing down? Just spinning around and I don't know why. All the pieces don't fit. Thought I really didn't give a shit. All I really... But all I really, uh, fuck. Thought I really didn't give a shit. But all I wanted to really do, uh, fuck. Thought I really didn't give a shit. But for all I'm a liar. Oh, fuck. I forget the lines. That's a great song by Nine Inch Nails. Uh, back to the story. <laughs> but only if taken safely. In most research studies, scientists administer the drug in a pill form, but in a few instances, doctors have delivered psilocybin via an intravenous injection, according to a 2018 report published in the journal Neuropharmacology. But these injections are given in tightly controlled doses and under medical supervision. They do not contain any fungi. No fungi. This is a real fungi. Uh, the compound psilocybin alone is not alive and cannot grow in the body. When used recreationally, Magic mushrooms are typically made into a tea, eaten raw or dried, ground into a powder, and put in capsules or coated in chocolate. Yum, 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 yum. Very good. They are not injected directly into the bloodstream. Correct. Shrooms induce mind-altering trips by interacting with certain receptors in the brain. Specifically, the psilocybin breaks down into psilocin, a substance that acts like the brain chemical serotonin, which plays roles in mood and perception. But a bad trip can trigger anxiety, fear, and confusion, as well as elevated blood pressure, vomiting, headaches, and stomach cramps. Live science previously reported, is it live science or live science? Man, English is so lacking. Magic mushrooms carry an added risk because they resemble some species of poisonous mushroom. Very true. So, People sometimes consume the wrong kind by mistake. Several U.S. cities have decriminalized psilocybin. Yes, I fully support that, and it should just flat out be illegal. Uh, and in November 2020, Oregon moved, yes, to legalize its use as a therapeutic drug. CNBC reported, period, well, Okay. As of now, psilocybin is still classified as a, quote, Schedule One substance, end quote, under federal law, meaning that the drug has no accepted medical use in the U.S. and has a, quote, high potential for abuse, end quote, 
However, current research suggests that this potential for abuse has been historically overestimated and is actually quite low, according to the 2018 Pharmacology Report, Neuropharmacology Report, which is true. The drug scheduling thing is inherently, and I believe, I'm sure there's some documentation proving that it is intentionally racist and classist. Well, so let's, let's, uh, let me take a drink of this tea and let's do a little recap here. Okay, so this guy, uh, bipolar, was on meds, had a history of um, opioid addiction, which makes sense, uh, self-medicating, um, trying to dull the effects of the mania and the depression. It makes perfect sense. Um, and also, none of this stuff means you're a bad person or dumb or anything. I think this is, I mean, yeah, I've thrown in jokes here just to make this entertaining, uh, but this sucks. I feel really sorry for this guy. Um, is it a guy? Is it a he? Did they say he? Uh, the man. Yes, he. Um, yeah, he, he was just trying to get some help because he fucking lives in hell. Hell is in his mind, and you can't fucking run from your mind. You're living in hell, and you're trying to manage it, and then, you know, that doesn't work out well, and you, you get off of the opioids, which is a very fucking difficult uh, and, and that desire never goes away. Um, but you seek help, you get therapeutic help, you get on some meds, uh, but you're still living in hell. You've got this crazy shit going on in your head. Uh, and then you get off of the meds and, um, and then you're trying to self-medicate again. Uh, you're trying to find some fucking peace for God's sake. You're trying to find some fucking peace. And it's so difficult. Perhaps the the drugs, perhaps they helped, but they didn't help enough. Maybe that's why he got off of them. Not to say that you uh, should just outright, you know, re reject um, what therapists and doctors may give you. I mean, definitely do research and stuff, but be fucking responsible. But also realize that um, SSRIs and that kind of stuff... It, um, psychology and just uh, neuropharmacology is such a fucking guessing game. It is such a guessing game because a lot of just um, neuro phenomenon, just mental quote unquote illness, uh, it's been, what's the word I'm looking for? not demonized, but that's the word I'll use. It's, it's been looked down upon and frowned upon and demonized for so long. Um, you know, just say someone's fucking crazy and just put them on a bus and move them to a different city so you don't have to fucking deal with them anymore. That happens all the time here in Austin. I swear to God, like every family in Texas who has a family member who's experienced some really uh, mental difficulties, they fucking probably put them on a bus and send them to Austin. 
uh, because this is one of the few places in such a regressive, oppressive, um, tyrannical state as Texas. Um, Austin is one of the few places where people with uh, mental disorder uh, can seek some kind of help. And Texas is not the only state that's like that, you know? Um, but you know, finding the right cocktail for your particular kind of crazy is such a guessing game. Uh, and I feel a lot of that has to do simply because of legislation, just legislation in general. Um, I feel like historically it, it's put a lot of hampers uh, a huge hamper on the ability of researchers to research things. And that includes stuff like psilocybin and LSD, finding some kind of fucking application for these things. Um, so, uh, yeah, I feel sorry for this dude. But holy shit, he had mushrooms growing in his blood? Wow. Fungus in mungus. Well, I'm running out of steam here with the show, and I just realized I didn't do my business. So uh, if you are able to, and if you want to, please help support this show by becoming a donor at patreon.com slash that thing with James. I love doing this show. I've done this for, what, two years now? Holy shit. And I would like to keep doing it. And I'd love for it to be like my my main bread and butter. That'd be cool as shit. But um, I don't say that to try to put pressure on you. I'm just thinking out loud, trying to figure out my own life here. But uh, if you find any kind of value or are entertained by this and just, yeah, again, want to help support the show, please become a donor at patreon.com slash that thing with James. If you have um, questions, I've got answers. If you are in need of advice, I can give you advice. I can't guarantee that it's going to be good advice. Advice, And I can't guarantee that I won't make it funny because, well, primarily I did intend for this to be a comedy podcast. So hopefully that's, it's funny in some parts. Uh, or if you have a story or a topic you would like me to cover on the show, send me an email at thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. Uh, or you can slide into my DMs or just check out my posting game on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is at James J. Asher. And uh, you can also find my subreddit if you're one of those insufferable people like me who cruise Reddit at r slash that thing with James. And uh, that's all I got. If you're not subscribed, please do so. Share the show with literally everybody ever. Go to the fucking morgue and share the show with the corpses, all right? I want some corpse fans. Uh, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you at the next episode. Love you. Bye.